How is everybody? Great. Please forgive me for my tardiness. Five minutes tardy. Uh, I'm filling in, as you can see. Uh, Brother Wade asked me today what I fill in for him uh, today. So I'm glad again to be in your midst. We will go ahead and hopefully everybody has an outline and you have your Bible, Job chapter 1. If you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to open us up with a prayer. And then toward the end of the class, I'll definitely leave time uh, for us to talk about a couple of other things and definitely have prayer over other things as well, if you will allow me to do that. So that way we can go ahead and get right into um, tonight's scripture. Let us bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come once again with a bowed head and an humble heart. Lord, we come again just to say thank you. I thank you for tonight, Father God. I thank you for everybody that's here. I pray once again, Father, that you will loan us your mind as we go into your word. I pray now, Heavenly Father, uh, that you will just open up our minds and our hearts to your word, Heavenly Father, that when we leave this place tonight, Lord, that we will leave better than what we came. And I pray that everything that's said and done here tonight will be pleasing and acceptable in our eyesight. For this is my prayer, I pray in Jesus' name, I pray. Let us all say it together. Amen. Amen. Thank you so kindly. So Job, Job chapter 1 and verses 13 through 22. And I will probably uh, talk just a little bit about, uh, I may go out of that just a little bit still within the book of Job. But I may tiptoe over into chapter 2 uh, as I am talking to you tonight. And if you see me... Um, keep doing this I'm not used to this ear earpiece like brother Wade so I like the handheld mic much better so if you see me do that please forgive me but tonight Job chapter 1 and again um, when we think about Job when we think about the things that Job has gone through if you look and if you have uh, if you just have this quick outline here that I made out for you and again forgive me for the shortness of the hour and not just being able to put a lot of meat on the bones. But I promise you, when you leave here tonight, there will be a lot of meat on th these bones that you see here. But I want to talk about when you run out of questions. When you run out of questions. When you think about, you think about your life. When you think about the things that you have gone through. The things that you have been through. And there comes a point in time in your life that you just don't have any more questions. Time and time again, you've asked God, why this? Why that? If it's not one thing, it's another. If I get my left arm taken care of, then my right arm starts hurting. If it's my left leg, then my right leg. If I take care of my hip, then the other hip begins to hurt. If I get one child straight, it seems like the other child wants uh, to act up and it goes on and on and on and on and on and it just gets to a point to where things happen so much to you in your life and on this journey that you run out of questions. Now if you're here tonight and you say that you have not gotten to that point yet then keep getting up in the morning <laughs> because if you live long enough if you live long enough, you will get to this point that I am talking about tonight. You will get to the point that Job finds himself in tonight. 
that he eventually, he has run out of questions. And we're going to discover some things here, some things that Job realizes here uh, in the text. What one does when you run out of questions. And so when you think about the book of Job, when you think about Job's life, and at the beginning, uh, the scripture tells us, the Bible tells us that the beginning of, of Job's life, he is blessed. And yet, at the same time in being blessed, he loses all that he has. And at the end of his life, though, when you think about the end of uh, Job's life, he is blessed doubly because of how he praised God when he lost everything that he had. Now, I, again, I want you to think about Job and his life setting. At the beginning, he's, uh, he's blessed because the Bible tells us all that he has as far as land, oxen, all this, uh, uh, how big his family is. And then he, as you go on in the scripture, uh, and he begins to lose everything that he has. And the Bible tells us that one day uh, that there was a conversation that the sons of God presented themselves. And there in the midst, Satan was in the midst. And again, the Lord asked him, and I'm, putting, I'm just paraphrasing, but God asked him, where has he been? What has he been up to? And Satan tells us he's been to and from, in and out of the earth. In other words, he has been the meanest devil that he can be. He's been stirring up trouble in homes, in marriages, on the job. Everywhere that he goes, he tries his best to cause all the hell that he can cause. That's basically when you read the scripture, and that's the gist of the text there uh, with the conversation between Satan and God. And God asked him, uh, have you tried my servant Job? Because there is none like him. He's an upright man, one of the richest man in the East. And Satan lets uh, God know, yes, I know about Job. I'm very familiar with Job. I know his email address. I know his Twitter account. I know his mailing address. I know his physical address. I know everything there is to know about Job. And yet, I can't get to him because you have a hedge around him. You have a hedge around him, and so I can't get to him. And I want to remind some of you tonight and even inform some of you tonight that as you sit in your chair tonight, that the only reason why Satan has not gotten to you is because God has a hedge around you. But if you notice in the text tonight, and if you read, if you read the story in its entirety, you will notice that Satan tells God, he said, but if you remove the hedge, I'll get him. And you may ask the question, well, why is that so significant, Brother Brian? And again, I'm so glad that you asked. The reason why that is so significant, because if you notice in the text tonight, Satan asked God to do something that he cannot do himself. Because if it was just that simple, if it was just that easy, he would have removed the hedge himself and he would have got Job. But if you notice in the text, he says, if you remove the hedge, I will get him. And so there's a lot of times we sit up and we may fuss, we might great gripe, we may complain about our life. This is not right. That's not right. All, I don't know if you know some people, every time you see them, they're always complaining about something. They're always fussing about something. But I challenge you tonight, instead of 
fussing all the time, instead of complaining all the time. And those that God put in your path, and you may know people that I am speaking about tonight, you ought to challenge them. Thank God for what's left. Thank God that he has the hedge around you and that Satan is not able to get to you. And yet, when we look at tonight's text, and so the Lord, he gives him permission. He gives him permission to take all that he has. And yet he tells him he cannot take his life. And so when we look at the text tonight and when you think about this story about Job and when you run out of questions, how does one get praise from God? How is one able to praise God when you have lost everything? Now, again, when I talk about lose everything, I'm not just talking about material-wise because when you look at the text tonight, Job did not just lose material things, but he lost his loved ones. He lost his family. He lost his children, even to the point his wife. If there is nobody else standing by your side, you would think your wife is going to be right there with you. And even his wife begins to talk in such a way that Job looks at her, and and in essence, he said, this is foolish talk. Foolish woman, this is foolish talk that you are talking. Because she tells him, why don't you just curse God and die? And again, Job said, this is very foolish talk. And so, again, how is it that we praise God? How do we get praises from God in the midst and even when we've lost everything Uh, that we have because again Job the Bible tells us he's the richest man in the east yet the Bible says he is an upright man so I want to make sure that you understand that and I'm pointing that out because it does not matter how much money you have how well connected you are how righteous you may live and I encourage you and I pray that you're living an upright life a life that gives God glory but you need to understand tonight Just because you're doing all of that, you and I are not exempt from trials and tribulations in our lives. Because many times if we're not careful, we we will always want to talk about or hear about the good side of Christianity, where every day is a day of sunshine and everything is going to go right. But the longer you keep walking in this journey, there will be days where the clouds will roll over. The sun will go in. There will be days that people will shun you. People will talk about you. There will be days people that you've grown up with, that you love, it seems as if they are even turning on you and they've allowed Satan to get into you or into them. And I'm saying all of that because you are not exempt. Job was not exempt here in, uh, in tonight's text. And so, again, if you've been, been one who has been known to complain about life and about your situation. Be careful because there just might be a conversation going on right now in heaven about you. Satan and Jesus might be having a conversation right now as we speak about you and about your situation and about how Satan is really wanting to try you and test you, but he can't get at you because God has that hedge that the Bible tells us that he has around uh, Job. But again, I want to make sure that you understand, I'm glad here tonight in the text, that the Lord did not allow the devil to destroy Job. And 
Just because God allows Satan to do some things in your life and in my life tonight, I want to make sure that you understand it's not because God does not have anything better to do. It's not because God is just such a mean God. But there are things that God allows to happen in your life and in my life to make you and I stronger. There are things that God allows Satan to do to you and I so that you and I can be all that God desires and wants you and I to be. And brothers and sisters, I want to make sure that you understand tonight that you have to go through something. You have to go through something. You have to suffer sometimes if you're going to be what God has called you to be. Now, I know that's not pretty because let me raise your hand tonight if you if you like suffering. Anybody in here like suffering? If are you a big fan of suffering? Anybody in here like pain, heartaches and pain? Anybody in here like to cry? No, I didn't think so. Nobody likes that. But the reality of the matter is that is a part, not only a part of life, but if you're going to walk in this Christian journey, that comes with the territory. And so I want to make sure as you are witnessing to others, as you're sharing the gospel with others, as you're telling them about Christ, yes, there is a great side and there is going to be some great days. But please, ma'am, please, sir, don't forget, don't leave out that other side where there will be some cloudy and dark days and some lonesome nights. And yet we have to go through some things. And Satan in the text, he takes all of, and I want you to remember this. If you're not writing it down, please remember this. Please remember what I said because it will come in handy right at the end of the text. Satan in the text takes all of Job's earthly possessions. Remember that. I know right now it may not sound really significant to you. You may, again, you may ask the big question, what's the big idea that God allowed Satan to take all of the, uh, Joe's earthly possessions? But again, it will come into play here in just a, a little bit or toward uh, the end. Now, as we are walking through the text, as we're talking about the story of, of, about Job and how he got one bad news after another. He's lost this. He's lost that. Even while he's getting some news, there's another servant that comes up and says, you've lost this. You've lost that. Uh, your kids was taken. I mean, time and time again. And yet, I want to make sure that you understand as you continue to read the text, as you study the text, when we talk about faith, when we talk about trusting God, and you do realize and understand that if you're going to be on this journey, if you're going to walk with God, you have got to learn to trust God even when you cannot trace his hand in the dark. I believe that's worth saying one more time. Learning faith is learning to trust God even when you cannot trace his hand in the dark. It's easy to have faith when you know everything. It's easy to have faith when you know how everything is going to turn out. It is easy to have faith when you know why everything is happening the way it is. But what about when you don't understand? What about when you read your Bible, when you spend time with God, when you're praying, you're here at Longview Point, you're serving, and yet 
There are things that happen to you. There are things that happen within your family and within yourself, and you still don't understand. And this is why Job was so frustrated with his wife when she told him, why don't you curse God and die? And if you remember in the text, Job says something like this. Is it right that we receive everything good from God? And then when the bad stuff comes, we want to reject that? And it's sad to say, brothers and sisters, but there are some people like that. There are some individuals who profess to be Christians, but the only time you really hear them speak highly of God, the only time you really see them praise and serve and worship God is when everything is going good in their life. It's easy to praise God when you and your spouse are getting along. It's easy to praise God and the children are acting right. It's easy to praise God when you have a job and you love to go to work every day at that job. But what about those days when you and the spouse are not getting along? Do you still trust God? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God put you and your spouse together? Man and wife, that is. And even though today you may not agree, you may not see eye to eye, and there's some days, just like my wife, and she's not here tonight, so I can say it. Just promise me you won't tell her I said this. But there are some days I get up, men, and I leave to go to work. And there are some days my wife is glad to see me go out the door. I turn around to say goodbye to her, and she's already shut the door. Now, I know y'all don't have those type of problems. I'm quite sure your spouse has not done you like that. But there, there are days like that that happen at my home, and yet I still trust God. Yet, she still trusts God because we still are together. And thank God, December will make 18 years if the Lord let us live to see it. What about when your children and you look at them and sometimes you wonder, did I pick up the wrong baby at the hospital? I mean, where did he or she come from? Because that's not the child that I raised. That's not the child that I sat down and read Bible stories to and told them about Christ. And now when you look at them and you, you see the decisions that they, they are making, uh, the group and the people that they want to hang out with, you wonder, did I pick up the wrong child? Can you still trust God? Will you still trust God that he will still work things out? And so faith is just not receiving what we want from God. But it is also accepting what God sends. Faith, and again, I believe that is worth saying a second time, that faith is not just receiving what you and I want from God. But it is also accepting what God sends. And what God sends, brothers and sisters, sometimes may not be necessarily what you and I want. And so you have to be careful when you say, God, here I am. I am available. I want to serve you. Have your way with me, God. Do you know what you're saying? Do you really know what you're saying? Because I remember a story that I read in the Bible where the disciples talked about how they were going to follow Jesus and they go to the ends of the earth with him. And Jesus said something like this. The birds of the air have nests. Foxes have holes. 
to go into. But the son, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And the reason why Jesus made such a profound statement and he said what he said to those men because he really wanted them to understand. Do you know what you're saying when you say you want to follow me? Do you know what this entails? Do you know what it means when you say you want to be a Christian? Do you know what it means when you truly say that you have faith in God? Faith in God is not rejoicing and serving God when you're getting everything that you want. But faith in God, that's part of it, but that's not all of it. But faith in God also entails also learning to still follow and trust God when he sends things your way that you did not want. Things that you were not hoping for. And you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you in here tonight had a loved one and you were hoping and praying that they beat the expectations, what the doctor said, the diagnosis, but unfortunately they did not. How many of you had a job and you didn't want to lose it, but you lost it or you know somebody that did? Your child that you, you had and you cared for so many months, rocked them in their arm, wiped their snotty nose, and then they end up on drugs. Or she married somebody that was not good to her or him. Will you still trust God? That God still knows best and that God will still work things out. So faith is just not receiving what you and I want from God. But it is also expecting and accepting what God sends to us. And again, what God sends your way, what God sends my way may not always be what you and I want. But if God, if, if God is truly in the sunshine, then again, I want to encourage you tonight if God is in the sunshine brothers and sisters you should trust him enough to know that he will be in the rain also so we go on in the text and again I'm on I know you're asking well when are you going to get to these three points they're at the end trust me so Joe's friends Bible tells us Joe's friends so-called friends so-called friends and I wish I had a lot of time I could do a sermon alone by itself on Job's friends, but I don't have time for that tonight. But his so-called friends show up because they've heard what's going on with Job. And the Bible tells us they really, truly came to comfort Job. But now, if you read the text and you go back and I challenge you to reread the text, you would really think they're coming over to comfort Job. But this is what they said to Job. After they get over, they look at Job, they examine Job, they see what's going on, and then they look both ways to make sure there's nobody else around. And they said, now, Job, let's just be honest between us girls. Now, you must have done something. You must have truly done something for all of this to happen to you. And I want to make sure that you understand that tonight because sometimes, brothers and sisters, if we're not careful, we can be very guilty of the same thing that Job's friends have done tonight. There are times when we see people suffering. There are times when we see people going through trials and tribulation. And if we are not careful, we will allow the words to come out of our mouth and say they must have done something or I wonder what they have done. And I want to make sure that you understand tonight that suffering and trials will not 
only reveal what's in you, but it will also reveal the character of others that are around you. Suffering, trials, and tribulations will not only reveal what's in you and how you handle it, but it will also reveal the character of the others that are around you. And just because people are suffering, just because people are going through something, it, it does not always mean that they have done something bad. Prove it, Brother Brian. I'm glad that you challenged me to prove that. Jesus who suffered, but did he sin? How many of you know it may not necessarily happen to you per se, but newborn babies who will come into the world but only stay for a matter of days or a matter of weeks, and then they die? They're not even old enough to do anything. They're not even old enough to know right from wrong. And I said all of that to say, be careful when you notice somebody is suffering or going through trials and tribulations. Please be careful because it does not necessarily mean that they did something wrong. And so Job's friends, they come and they ask him, you must, or at least said, you must have done something uh, wrong. You must have done something wrong because if you hadn't done anything wrong, then all of this stuff wouldn't be happening to you, Job. And again, be careful of that because as I said before, if you're going to walk with God and you're going to truly have a relationship with God, then we have to be willing to go through a lot of the things that the Lord went through. Whether that's being lied on, talked about, misunderstood, whatever the case may be, you have to understand that comes with the package. It's just like when you go to your job and there's some things that you love about your job, but there's also some things that you don't like so much about your job, but you understood when you signed on the dotted line, that came with the package. And this is the same thing that I'm talking about here uh, tonight. But yet, let's get back to his friends really quickly. So it's these so-called friends, you would think they came to comfort Job, but they didn't come to comfort Job. They were being very judgmental. And they assumed that Brother Job here in the text tonight, they assumed that Job had done something. And again, I want to make sure that you understand, be careful who is around you. Because everybody in your circle do not belong there. Be careful again who your friends are because everybody does not belong there. Now, I'm on Facebook, and I, from time to time I will go and I will look. But be careful about putting all your business out there on Facebook. I don't understand people who put, uh, everywhere you go, you got some people, they put, the time they leave here, they go here, they go there. Be careful of that. You ought not tell all your business. There ought to be some things that are between you and God. Now, you may be here tonight and say, well, Brother Brian, I'm, I'm going to continue to do that. Well, okay, that's fine. <laughs> that, that's you. But my point is, and I really want to make sure that you understand Everybody that's in your circle don't necessarily need to be in your circle because they don't mean you any good, as we discover here tonight about Job's friends. That's all I'm trying to get you uh, to understand tonight because, again, there are just some private things that should belong to you and God and you and God alone. And at the same time, brothers and sisters, it is doubtful that God will use you greatly unless he hurts you deeply. If God is going to use you, 
If God is going to use you greatly for the kingdom, you need to understand tonight that he has got to hurt you deeply. Now, again, I know that is not popular because, again, nobody raised their hand just a few moments ago about like to cry, about pain, about suffering. But again, if God is going to use you greatly, he first of all has to hurt you deeply. The story was told one time about a young lady who had a beautiful voice. She had a beautiful voice. She went to school, got all the proper training uh, to really hone her skills and everything. And, and the uh, guy that was training her, very well known. And she asked him, she said, when will I become a great singer? And this was his response. He said, you have a beautiful voice right now, but you will not become a great singer until you have been, first of all, hurt. Now, you think about that. Let that marinate on your brain. It does, to the world, it doesn't make sense. But if you think about you and I tonight, brothers and sisters, you think about our witness, you think about our testimony, and if you think about times that you've been witnessing for God, how you have shared the gospel, and then when things happen to you that have hurt you deeply, and it was nobody but God that had to bring you out, how was your testimony different then than what it is now? Again, think about that. And that's what the same thing here uh, with Job tonight. So again, if God, it is doubtful that God will use you greatly until he first of all hurts you deeply. And then there are just some things, there are just things that brothers and sisters that you and I have to learn in the nighttime that we cannot necessarily learn in the daytime. So there will be some things during the dark that God can teach us versus in the daytime. Now we're down to these three and they're very brief and then I'm done, okay? You go, you'll be getting out early. Please don't tell Brother Wade, okay? <laughs> so when you run out of questions, when you truly run out of questions and you've asked all the questions that you can ask, you have beat your head on the brick wall over there. I mean, you have called everybody that you can call and you still come up short. What do you do? Well, the first thing we learn here tonight and the first thing that Job learns here tonight in the text, you have got to, I have to learn to praise God for the gift. Everything, brothers and sisters. And Job realized that. Job realized this here in the text. If you look right here at uh, verse, starting in verse 20 of chapter 1. Verse 20 of chapter 1 of the book of Job. Reading from the New King James Version. And it says, Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground, and he worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. Look what he says. The Lord gives, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives, and yet the Lord takes away. So you have to praise God for the gift. Job realized, and he understood here tonight in the text, that everything that he had at one time, and even though in this particular setting that I am reading to you right now, he has lost it, but he still acknowledged that it was a gift from God, and he's praising God. Everything that you and I have tonight, brothers and sisters, from our home 
cars, family, good health, whatever it may be. Everything that you and I have, it is a gift from God. And I'm glad that you're well-educated. I'm glad that you're well-connected. I'm glad that you may have a lot of money in the bank. But you need to understand, you didn't get it by yourself. You may be here bragging about your education, but if it had not been for God loaning you his mind, you would have never passed the test. You'd have never passed the quizzes. You'd have never been able to do those papers and so forth. So everything that you and I have is a gift from God because Scripture tells us every good and every perfect gift comes from above. And so again, my question to you tonight, and I'm challenging you tonight, in the midst of your trials and tribulations, will you praise God for the gifts even if you lose them? Even if you lose them, will you still be able to do as Job has done here in the text tonight? Because, again, brothers and sisters, you really want to know why the world at times laugh at the church. Why the world does not take the church seriously. Because we talk a good game. We talk a good game when it comes down to Christ about Christianity. We have all the formulas and the equations and everything, how one should walk, how one should talk and everything. But here's our biggest problem. We don't do it. Problem. We don't do it. We can put it on paper. We can teach people in a class and everything. But we will not do what Job has done tonight. How many people do you truly know that have suffered, have lost so much and said what Job has said here tonight? The Lord giveth and yet the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. You lost a loved one. Have you ever heard anybody say, and yet at that very moment, yet blessed be the name of the Lord. Lose their job, children act up, whatever the case may be. Have you ever heard anybody just say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Have you said it? Don't raise your hand, okay? Please don't do that. And yet, so praise God for the gift. But here's the next thing that we need to understand. Not only praising God for the gift when we run out of questions, but yet praise God in our grief. You've got to learn. I have to learn to praise God in our grief. I said it earlier. It's easy to praise God when everything is going great. It's easy to praise God when we're all getting along. But what about those times in our lives that we will have grief? And again, if you're sitting here tonight and if you say, I have never had grief, God bless you. But if you live long enough, grief will come knocking at your door. In some shape, form, or fashion, grief will come knocking at your door. Be careful when... Condition, be careful when you are that conditional Christian or that sometimey Christian. Because we have sometimey Christians that they can only praise and worship God when conditions are in their mind right. Now, I have a problem with uh, Christians who can only praise and serve God and only talk about God when conditions in their mind is right. Don't be a thermometer, but you need to be a thermostat. If you're writing that down or committed to memory, don't be guilty of being a thermometer, but be a thermostat. Because when you think about a thermometer, a thermometer is up 
and down. And the reason why a thermometer goes up and down, because it's predicated, it's based on what's going on outside. It's based on conditions. But the thing about a thermostat, a thermostat stays the same. And it stays the same regardless. It stays the same. Temperature will stay the same on the inside regardless of what's going on on the outside. And that's the way Christians need to be. We need to be the same. We need to talk the same. We need to walk the same regardless of what's going on on the outside. Even if all hell breaks loose, we still need to be the same in Christ. Don't let it be said that you are one way here and you're something else there. Don't let it be said that about you. Paul tells us that in the Bible that he has learned to be content no matter what state he finds himself in. Can you say that about yourself? What are you like at work when we don't see you here? What are you like in line at Kroger or Walmart and they don't give you the right change? What are you like when you leave a bag of groceries and you got to turn back around? What are you like? But then here's the last thing. Not only do you have to praise God for the gift and then you got to praise God in your grief, but praise God for his goodness. Praise God for his goodness. Again, I know if you're like myself, everything is not always the way that I want. I don't always accomplish everything that I have a desire to accomplish. But one thing that I have learned, and God has had to work with me on that. God has put people in my path who have shared with me, who has had to witness with me. Because there was times in my life where I would find myself complaining all the time, whining and complaining. Whining and complaining about being hungry and I got a loaf of bread under my arm, as my grandma would say. Again, instead of complaining, instead of whining, and you may not have everything that you desire. It may not be exactly the way that you want it, but why don't you learn to thank God for what's left? Instead of just focusing on everything that you've lost or that's gone, thank God for what is left. Thank God for his goodness. Thank God for his saving grace tonight. That's why Job was able to say, the Lord gives and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all that Job did, verse 22, in all that Job did, in all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. He ran out of questions and yet he didn't charge God with wrong. He conducted himself in such a way that was pleasing and acceptable to God. Now, here's, here's the last thing, and I'm done. Now, you remember when I told you why it was so significant that in the text that God allowed Satan to take all of Job's earthly possessions? I told you to write that down or commit it to memory. Now, when you look at the text and you fast forward in the, in the book of Job, you'll find out because Job... Uh, conducted himself in such a godly manner and, and uh, God so proud of him. Again, I'm just paraphrasing the Bible uh, said that he got everything back and he got it doubled. But there was one thing that Job did not get back doubled. He got all the land, all the sheep and all the oxen. All that was doubled except his children. God didn't double the children. 
You want to know why or have you ever wondered why God doubled everything else except the children? Anybody want to take a stab at it? Okay. Here's the reason why God doubled everything else except the children. Because everything that Job lost, Satan took except the children. God took the children. And when God takes something, brothers and sisters, it's not lost. When God takes something, it's safe. That's why he did not double the children. Because Satan took everything else material-wise, but he didn't take the children because God himself took the children. Just food for thought tonight. God bless you tonight. God keep you is my prayer. It is 701. Questions or comments? When you run out of questions. Thank you so much for allowing me and putting up with me for these few moments standing in Brother Wade's uh, spot tonight. Um, again, truly, I thank you and I pray that you're able to take something away um, from uh, tonight's lesson. Um, I did get Brother Wade's approval, and so I will say this. Please, ma'am, please, sir. I announced this on Sunday. We've had to change a couple of dates for the interest meeting for the new church plant, Community Point Baptist Church. Uh, one, the original dates was August the 4th and the 8th. The 8th will still be on, but we had to move the 4th because the 4th, there will not be service. There's a church here on the 4th. Um, I was just informed that on yesterday. So we had to move that meeting to the 11th. And so, please, ma'am, please, sir, I would encourage you, if you're interested in this new church plant, if you're interested in partnering, or if you're just curious, you may not be interested in leaving, but you're just curious because, hey, i just like to know what it's about. So, as God put me in front of other people, I might tell them, I invite you to come. I invite you to come on the 8th. That is a Sunday, and right after service, we will have lunch catered in, and I believe they told me a place named Moe's. I'm not familiar with Moe's, but from what I'm told, it's good. And so, if nothing else, please come, because I don't want to have to eat all that by myself, and I really don't need to eat all of that by myself. On the 11th, on Wednesday, then there, there will not be food catered that night, but if you want to bring a bag lunch, it is at 6 o'clock. Brother Wade did approve that meeting, and so we're going to be meeting in room 100, just right down uh, the hallway there. And again, if you have any questions, I mean any question at all, please bring those questions. I'm an open book, and I look forward to sharing with many of you um, about uh, Community Point Baptist Church, what this church will be, what we're going to do for kingdom's sake, and how we're going to continue to partner along with other churches to invest in the community in which uh, we live in to reach more people for uh, kingdom's sake. Again, God bless you. God keep you as my prayer. Again, is there any questions or comments tonight? No? Would anybody like to dismiss us with prayer? Wow. Okay. I guess I'll pray. And then I'll let you go. Thank you so much. Let us bow our heads. Father God, we thank you again for tonight. We thank you again for this time and opportunity. And I pray again, Heavenly Father, that when we leave here, Lord, that we leave better than what we came. That, Lord, we take your word and that we not only hide it in our hearts, but we live that life that's pleasing and acceptable in our eyesight. That, Heavenly Father, that 
the things that Job learned about tonight when he ran out of questions that in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our trials and tribulations, Father God, that we learn to praise you for the gift. We learn to praise you in grief, and we learn to praise you for your goodness. We just thank you for being God and God all by yourself. And then, Father God, we thank you for the leadership of this church. Pray that you would keep the leadership. But then, Father God, as we leave here tonight, we pray for your traveling grace. And I pray that you will keep your loving arms around all of us. Keep us all from hurt, harm, and danger until we make it to our destination safely and soundly. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise, honor, and glory that you so much deserve. For this is my prayer, I pray in Jesus' name I pray. Let us all say together, amen.